I'm your host, Mike Versman, and we're back with more crew conversations today on the Producer Podcast. Today, we're turning our attention to the post-production side of things as we sit down with editor Tracy Robinson to talk about putting the film together and how the producer is involved. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you very much, Tracy, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So to start, kind of tell us how you got involved in film and what got you interested in doing more of the editing side of things. Well, I went to film school right out of high school, and I didn't know what I wanted to do in film, but I knew that I was more on the creative side and I liked movies. Um, and I just was sort of drawn to film school for whatever reason. I wasn't a Christian at the time. I was just very much, uh, searching and, uh, not, you know, college is something you're supposed to do. Right. So mm-hmm. that's what I chose is film school. And it took me all of my time at film school to really search and try on different hats and even direct. Um, and I, realized at the very end of it that I kind of liked editing. I would work with editors during my time at film school and I it was frustrating that I didn't know the buttons or how to actually edit in the software. But I always kind of felt like I knew what needed to, to be done to the edits. Um, and so at the end of film school, I had to edit my director's reel And that's where I really got my, started to get my hands dirty editing. And I realized I should pursue this. I kind of have this knack for it. I really enjoy it. Um, And then I eventually, I mean, many years later, I got a job at a company called lynda.com. And they're they're now acquired by LinkedIn Learning. And um, I started working on their documentary team um, through a lot of loopholes. <laughs> I actually came, I actually came in through the back door of that job um, m- before there was like this really extensive hiring process that they started to implement. I was fortunate enough to come in as a PA. Um, just they needed somebody to, to work their teleprompter for their studio shoots. And um, I was just there. I would, be the first one to show up and make coffee and um, just really started to make myself available uh, on that on that team um, and for whatever they needed. And one day um, I had an opportunity to assist and edit uh, for the documentary team uh, and they realized, okay, well, she's good at assisting at assistant editing. Um, let's keep her doing these assistant edits. <laughs> let's keep her uh, just working with us. And then I was fortunate enough to have another opportunity when the director went on vacation and there was not enough, uh, not, not enough editing uh, to go around. And so they decided to trust me with editing one of the projects, one of the documentary series. And I had a chance to prove myself, essentially. It was exciting and challenging. 
uh, and I, it was um, maybe not uh, my skill set yet or my skill level, um, mm-hmm. but it was it was a chance to prove that I could edit. And so, long story short, I became pretty much the primary video editor on the documentary team, and st- and just uh, I got to go on some of the shoots, but primarily they just kept me editing. And so I would edit documentaries eight hours a day for like four years. Wow. Um, and uh, then I left that job. Uh, it got really, compl- like I got really complacent at that job and uh, stopped growing. And so eventually I became a freelance editor, freelance, just freelancing, um, produce, somewhat producing and just doing promo videos, particularly for for like nonprofits and things like this. And um, I, one of those nonprofits was a pregnancy resource center. Um, and that really introduced me to the whole pro-life world. And I eventually learned, you know, the pro-life case and the case against abortion and that, which really struck this uh, project um, in me. Uh, I decided to do a feature length documentary <laughs> Uh, I decided to do my first feature-length documentary, first feature-length film um, on this topic. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined I would be tackling this topic, uh, let alone making a film about it. But that's what happened. (laughs) And so um, my freelance editing kind of got interrupted by that a lot of times. Um, But I still managed to edit, still managed to just keep on um, being in my craft as an editor, paying the bills and meeting new people. So that's really how it all started. And I still really love editing. Um, and I think that's been kind of my saving grace is just having that being my specialty. For sure. Um, so I am curious and cause this is something that gets t- gone back and forth with a lot of people I talk to, um, which is, is film school worth it? Uh, or should you just like get out there and start trying to get on sets and do stuff? So I guess I'd love to hear uh, like kind of your thoughts. Like, do you think looking back that was worth it for your career or not as much? It was, it was worth it for me. Granted, I graduated in 2008. Okay. So that was a long time ago. And um, YouTube was barely a thing yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people hadn't heard of YouTube yet. So uh, YouTube University didn't exist. You know, the, you can't just, you couldn't just like teach yourself as easily. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think it's worth it for the networking, for building relationships, um, for the practice. If it's a, if it's a trade program, if it's like a trade school. Um, but I loved learning about film. I loved talking about film. I loved the, just the theories and stuff. When we got to learn that, it was a lot of hands-on work. But when I when we got to like study film, that was really fun for me. But I I would say it's not worth it in this day and age, um, unless you can completely pay for it with cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I I think there's most of what I've learned in my career is 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 just being at a job learning, um, mm-hmm. cutting my teeth at that job. 
of course it helped that I had the degree on paper. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I would, a lot of my, a lot of colleagues I know, they didn't need film school and they're incredibly talented. So it really depends on the person. All right. So uh, jumping back into the, the whole topic of editing, I guess my first question would be like, at what point in the process on a film project should a producer start looking at getting an editor on board to the project? Well, I guess the correct answer would be the beginning, um, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't let that hinder you from filming if you have everything else in place. Mm-hmm. Footage can wait for the right editor, I would say. Okay. If you are bringing an editor on like that early are they mainly at that point just kind of like organizing the footage or what all are they doing it depends on the project but i think it's helpful to have an editor at least an assistant editor um looking at dailies and and making sure everything we're getting everything every day um laying out the footage making it easier to organize down the road um so yeah the sooner you can have an editor the better, like the more support, it, the more support you'll have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important is to just kind of have that second eye, like that second pair of eyes. And also just somebody who's responsible for the footage, who can just sort of back, keep backing it up. Um, stuff like that. I think that's important. Like what advice then would you have for producers in helping them like find, I guess, the right editor for the project, somebody they're going to work with well. Yeah. So I'm assuming that your listeners are mainly Christian filmmakers. So I don't mind saying this, pray for the right person and then wait. You know, I, I remember that verse you have not because you ask not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a, and, um, you know, it's a spiritual answer, but if you're a Christian operating in the will of God, it's a pragmatic answer. Um, so I would say pray for the right person and then just wait to see what God does. And then other than that, I would say, you know, there's really no cookie cutter, but word of mouth is really good. Uh, but there's a lot of talent you can't find in places. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, staff me up is a really good resource. Like, you know, uh, these crew websites, I found a wonderful producer that way on staff me up. Uh, when I was needing a composer for my project, not an editor, but a composer, I was watching free Burma Rangers, um, for for the second time. And I was, I think it was at, at CWVFF actually, when it was playing there. And I found myself noticing and admiring a lot of the music in that movie. And so I decided to take a picture of the composer's name during the end credits. So later I found his website and he responded right away. And he ended up being absolutely amazing for my project and the creative process with him just flowed. So I would say, follow your gut and with that and be willing to wait for the right one. You save a lot of time and frustration that way. Definitely. And I realize every film is going to be different uh, in regards to its post-process, but what I guess what would be kind of maybe the average 
editing process look like that like generally every project's at least gonna you know include these steps or these phases and then from there maybe it, you know it changes based on the each project but what's kind of always there well i do a lot of documentary and non-fiction non-narrative kind of stuff but mm -hmm. um, i think no matter what you're working on laying out the footage and getting everything organized to me is key before actually starting the edit and i like to have an uncut version of each scene or okay. uncut of uncut version of each interview marked up if not completely transcribed and have those live in the footage bins um and i i all in all just i would say it's important for me to make it easier to look for specific content i'll need down the road so make it i would say make it as easy for your future self and team as possible and then um, I like to start wide. I, I tend to be like a detailed editor. And so I, I've had to tell myself to, to edit with broader brushstrokes at first. So start wide and then whittle down as you go. And I, I would say it's also important to show edits early. If you're, depending on your relationship or the amount of collaboration there is with the producer or director, Mm -hmm. uh, show edits early but put your best foot forward there's a balance there too um like look at your rough cut and and show your best rough cut and show it show it early but um don't overly finesse details so there's there's kind of a balance of showing it early but also showing a great rough cut um and it, it saves everybody's time that way. If you know you're, you're, you did your best. Um, and then it's important for me, and these are just very broad generalizations, but right. I really like to test it out with people. If you're making a film, um, find regular people <laughs> as your test audience. Um, or, you know, it's important to get feedback from everybody let me just say that it's important to get feedback from regular people from filmmakers uh and just to watch their reactions to things and that's really what helps inform me is living vicariously through them <laughs> and so that informs decisions and i think it's a really uh, important thing especially with documentaries mm -hmm. where you can you can just make a film in, in post and it's there's no, no more script <laughs> when you get to the post-production so when you do like a, some of those early screenings you're talking about whether it's with filmmakers or just your average moviegoer to get feedback is there a way that like me as the producer could kind of organize it that would make it more helpful and easier to use for an editor so Sometimes it's helpful to have a lot of opinions when you're showing a rough cut to maybe a room of people. Mm -hmm. I think that the editor should be taking notes and that's what I do at least in, in my past is just writing down everything that I hear from people. But I also, but I also have to keep in mind that they're not always, that doesn't mean we're going to make those changes. And so I've learned sometimes the hard way to 
not be to make to not make those decisions without filtering it through the producer or filtering it through the director. So the director ultimately has the final say after a review like that or a review session. So there could be a million ideas, but they all have to be at the discretion of the director. Um, and so I think I think that's the easier way to do to do the review process or like feedback process is is consider everybody's reaction, but ultimately it's up to the editor and the director uh, what actually gets changed or what actually uh, stays and goes. So for me, I've, I've yet to have a project where there was more than just the one editor. Cause it's all been like a smaller, you know, short film or promo f- film type work. Um, but like when it, when you get to the point of there being, you know, your main editor, your assistant editors, is that usually something that like the main editor is like deciding, hey, I need, you know, one assistant, two assistants, or is that more the producer um, making that call? I mean, I think it depends on the budget, depends on the project, um, definitely depends on the budget, usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think there's some value on these independent projects to have one editor sometimes because that one editor can get intimately familiar with the footage and be able to make more informed decisions down the road. So, but um, definitely it streams streamlines the process to have assistant editors and things like this. I've all, I always like having somebody lay out the footage and um, lay out the B-roll and just take care of the organizational process so that there's just more time to devote to just being creative, I guess. Sometimes the deep, if your DP edits, he or she can lay that footage out and, and mark up his or her favorite shots and whatnot. So if you have crew that, or a director even that um, can organize that or, or make those, those call, like those, layouts in the beginning that could be helpful if you want to save money on an editor another question i was interested in hearing kind of your experience and kind of advice with is um working remotely because so much so much work has gone remote in the last couple years um like what things can a producer do to help that process run really smoothly if you know, the editor, director, everybody's, you know, remote, whether it's different states or, you know, just they don't have a bigger, you know, studio house that they're all working in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say don't leave anything to assumptions and work out the way you're going to communicate and work together. Um, consider the ways you're going to look at rough cuts, make sure you're you agree on the file transfer system and the most efficient ways of giving feedback and communicating back and forth, you know, in the beginning, are you, you know, ask these questions, are you going to use Slack? Are you going to use WeTransfer or Vimeo or Frame.io or hard drives? Um, And just sort of work out those expectations earlier on. I think that's 
the most broad answer I could give um, when working with free, with freelance and with remote um, remote producer, remote editor. Like if you're using a music library versus a composer, whose music library is it? And mm-hmm. I think freelance editors should have those things in place, but sometimes the producer might already have a workflow going. So um, just be clear about that in the beginning. Don't leave anything to assumption. I guess then with, with like kind of working remotely, have you found, are there like certain things that maybe you keep running into? This is like a common thing producers forget to think about um, when they're doing, working remotely with an editor that keeps coming up. I think that producers can do a lot of good by being really transparent with their editors, uh, producers and directors. I think that if you don't know the solution, be honest. I think honesty is gonna be really, is gonna help the the flow of the creative process. Um, if you're not sure as a producer what what needs to be done in the edit or, or the best solution, uh, I, I would say that's why you have an editor. And so, um, I, I would say trust, like put trust in the editing process that things are going to have to change and make that expectation clear for the editor too, is look, I might change my mind later, but this is what I'm thinking going forward. This, this is what I think has to take place. Um, and for the editors listening, I would say that it should be your aim and as a mature editor to try to harmonize with your producer, no matter how many times he or she changes their mind or has another edit or has another request. It's our goal as editors to bring about peaceful resolutions. So that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, I like the, uh, the term harm harmonize. Like I've actually had a couple other guests I've interviewed this season. You use that term uh, when talking about communicating with the producer, so glad we're in harmony with that. <laughs> yeah, you've you've mentioned a lot about having you know good communication with the director and the producer, and not like not just assuming things. Um, I I'd be curious to hear like what are some things you've learned over the years about how to that could help people have that good communication and avoid, you know, making assumptions about something and such. Um, so as an editor and introvert, I tried to figure things, figure things out as much as possible on my own. Um, <laughs> I try not to reveal um, difficulties and I try to, as much as possible, just figure out solutions before kind of asking the producer what to do or the director. Um, so maybe that's maybe good or bad. I don't know. Um, I try to take as much uh, time by myself as possible, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there are times where it's gotten me in trouble just assuming I'm supposed to do it this way. That's happened many times where I'm just assuming it's supposed to go in this direction and it's not what they wanted. So I would say, like I said in the beginning, 
show rough cuts earlier and and be really clear and don't assume anything. Um, so this is what, like say, send someone a Vimeo link and say, this is what I'm going for. This is what I'm, I think I'm supposed to be doing. Do I have this right? And I think, I think that's music to a producer's ears or director's ears is just, re- is just really being just unmistakably clear. Um, at the same time, there is that balance. You have to figure stuff out on your own. You know, you're the editor. So, yeah. um, but as far as communication, I think it's always helpful to get on the phone, to get on zoom, you know, text, a lot of texting can, can, you can lose a lot in translation through Slack or texting or emails, you know? So sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and get on the phone. (laughs) So I know it's, it's it's such a odd concept for for people now but yeah I think it's the fastest though yeah no definitely I've I've slowly been going back to like calling people on the phone when I'm working on projects with them more than texting and messaging apps and all of that and I, I I think it's helped um you know little bit of a challenge when they're in a different time zone and you're trying to work all that out, but. Yeah. And that's what voice message or, you know, voice text, that's Mm -hmm. the, you know, you can communicate a lot through voice text and they can answer when they want that kind of a thing. So, but I think the biggest tool in communication is showing people what you have as an editor, just showing what does it look like right now? What does your movie look like right now? So I got uh, just a couple final uh, wrap-up questions uh, for you. And this first one, it's a little similar to one I already asked, but uh, are there any common like misconceptions you see producers making when working with editors? So I don't know if it's a misconception. I would. I'm just going to answer that it depends on the project and it depends on the relationship you're in. I think some producers and some directors want what I like to call an execution agent. Like this, okay. is exact, this is exactly where I want you to cut. This is exactly what I want. This is exactly what um, <laughs> you're just there to push the buttons for me. Like you're, you're just there to do the work, but this is exactly how I want it done. Mm-hmm. And then there's, producers and directors who leave the process a lot more lenient and give the editor a lot more liberty. And so I think it's really, it's really important to be clear upfront what kind of, which one you are, or maybe you're somewhere in between on that spectrum. So yeah, I would just say with each project, it's important to be clear and again, not assume anything. Um, and just put the expectation out there of what kind of producer you're going to be or what kind of director you're going to be, how involved you're going to be with the details of the edit throughout the process. And then uh, my final question, and this could apply specifically to editing, but it doesn't have to 
apply just to the editing part of filmmaking. But what's one piece of advice you would give to producers about um, helping have a smooth post-production process? I would say over budget for time if you have the ability. Um, and whatever number of weeks you have in mind, double it if you can. Okay. Because if you're making a movie, as much as you want it, want to get it done, you want to get it right. If you're in a hurry to get it done, you run the risk of then wasting the audience's time. Uh, and I've seen, I've seen indie Christian films where most of the scenes can either be cut in half or chopped altogether. Mm -hmm. So a great film can turn out to be a mediocre film if too many details are neglected in post-production. Uh, and I think a great film is made up of thousands of little details. And so it's critical to give yourself and your editor the time to get them all, to get them all right. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've seen it in lots of films and I've definitely made the mistake before of, yeah, having scenes that could be cut in half, cut out completely, all of that. And for one reason or another, I just did not do that when it was in the editing phase. Yeah, it's okay to obsess over the details because all the little details, that's what makes a great film. It's great to obsess over the details, but like, how do you know if you're obsessing too much over maybe a specific detail? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I guess it's okay to obsess over details, but there is a point where you do have to just sort of move on. Um, it's good enough to move on, as they like to say. Uh, it's good enough to move on, as I sometimes have to tell myself. Mm -hmm. um, I would say rate it, rate the importance of that detail for the audience and for the story. Um, sometimes things are left to, sometimes it's good to just abandon and go back to it later. I find that helps a lot. And just if it's becoming too obsessive or you're dwelling on this part too much, then leave it and go back to it later and look at it with fresh eyes. Um, so, <clears throat> just whatever you can do to to keep the flow going is important. And on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode of The Producer Podcast. Until next time, make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast, and thanks for listening.